welcome to the Take Care Sis podcast with me, Key, and Kiki. Join two friends for a conversation around self-care in real life. We'll talk about anything on the spectrum from bubble baths to setting boundaries to managing friendships and more. As your sisters, we also just want to provide a weekly check-in. You know, like big sis asking little sis, sis, you good? So come on in, sis. Let's talk about how we can take better care of ourselves. Hey, Key. How are you, sis? What's up, girl? <laughs> How's your week been? A week? Yeah, so, like, it was funny because on Daylight Savings Day, you know, that was the day of our event. So I didn't really feel anything, I guess, because just adrenaline was rushing and so on and so forth. But, you know, people were just like, oh, man, I already missed that hour. And I was like, I'm fine. All this week, I have been exhausted. And I'm like, oh. too. Me too. And it's kind of like weird because it usually doesn't bother me. So yeah, I guess because we stayed up all night trying to get stuff for this event done, we just did ourselves a disservice. So. Probably. Yeah, so all this week, I've just been tired. So today, I'm feeling good. I got to sleep. I don't want to say sleep in because, you know, Friday to Saturday night is always like I still only get like that six, seven hours because my body's used to waking up at like eight to get up for work. Right. That night though, or tomorrow, I'm expecting greatness. <clears throat> I'm expecting a performance, darling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping you get that performance. My hair is just not doing the way I want it to. We're going to leave it alone for now. My week was okay. What I have been doing is going to the gym four days a week. Um, I've been sacrificing my lunch break for my gym time, which isn't a bad trade-off, but it helps in the middle of the day to break the day up. So, you know, we sit at our computer all day in a building when it's even when it's sunny outside, which really blows my mind. Um, and I really look forward to the, the two o'clock, like, break up with my job yeah. and go to the gym. And plus, at that time, nobody's in there, so that's even yeah. better. Yeah. <clears throat> I did that the week before, or like, yeah, like the two weeks before I started doing that. I was just like, let me go during the middle of the day. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, last week I had nothing. Had nothing. I understand, but the good thing is, since I've been going to the gym the past two weeks, I've lost a little bit of weight. That wasn't my goal, but we're here. Um, my stamina is getting back to where it was slowly. You know, it's creeping back, creeping back. Um, but I do feel better, like more energetic, even though I've been exhausted this week too. But like, not as much as I would have been if I was like doped up on caffeine <laughs> and crashing <laughs> towards the end of the day. So I'm good. I'm good. I've never been, I don't, I don't feel like I've ever been the type that'd be like, we get such energy from working out. I don't think I've ever been that person. Um, yeah. Now do I like the way I feel when I've been consistently working out? Absolutely. It's a different feeling, but energy is never the feeling. Well, um, I think it's it's a mix. I'm not saying that the workout is giving me energy. It's breaking up my day so it makes me wake up a little bit more in the middle of the day. But the mixture of like eating better, you know, making sure I try to get sleep, that's still a struggle. And no. um all of that together is what's giving me the energy, I think. Yeah. No, the experts say you get so much endorphins and you have so much energy when you work out. And I'm like, no, that's not, it's not true. I don't know. When I walk out of there, I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) But my body apparently thinks me. So that's the trade-off that we deal with. 
last week we hosted our day of rest event. Um, if you missed the event, shame on you. Like, I don't know what else to say. Um, and if you haven't listened to the episode, girl, just, just go, just, just go listen to the episode, friend. Just, just go. And I mean, that's the shortest episode. So go listen to it. If you got about 30 minutes, you can listen to the episode. I know y'all be like, be at work listening to music and stuff. Go on and put the podcast on. Listen to it. That's it. We had a good event though. Like I think yeah. it went very well. We had a very good time. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback afterwards. People are like, where are the pictures at? I'm tired. Um <laughs> No, they there didn't. are pictures. There is something to post, but I'm tired. I barely posted period this week because I'm just like, I deserve a break because I beat y'all over the head the last couple weeks with posting. Here, here, come. And yeah, just right now, like, I don't really have much to say publicly. Just, uh, I know. That's coming. <clears throat> but also, we're not going to post pictures just so y'all can, like, be nosy. Like, you could have came to the event mm-hmm. that too another subject for another day so speaking of the day of rest event shout out to the sponsors kinder care inc um just cactus the enclave stress and recovery center where we hosted the event it's a beautiful venue if you get a chance please go check it out um <clears throat> shout out to our massage therapist cal newman from newman holistic hands our photographer rain from rain's world photography and finally well, we want to shout out our absolutely amazing speaker d paris from pure romance she had us all cracking up and seeking mm-hmm. number 200 we learned a lot <laughs> We learned a lot. We learned a lot. <laughs> By the way, 200 breaks down to about four every week. I'm happy to say I've been busy. Mm, I got to get back on it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. So we want to go into our For the Culture segment, sis. For the culture. For the culture. For the culture. For the culture, we gonna get into some topics. Mm. 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 Boom. All right. For the culture, the collapse of two banks. If you have not heard, I don't know how you didn't hear, but two banks collapsed. Now, I didn't hear much about the second one because um, I guess the bank is smaller and had, you know, just a normal bank, I'm assuming. Um, the second bank, though, or the, the bigger one that everyone's talking about is Silicon Valley. And Silicon Valley Bank, um, the reason why that was so important is because Silicon Valley Bank was responsible for a lot of startups, for venture capitalists, um, investment, these Bitcoin folks. So, you know, that's heavy topics because now people, everybody's about to get rich quick. So they're going to venture capitalism, Bitcoin, blah, 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 blah. And the bank that backed all of those collapsed. Um, And it's quite sad, really, because, you know, they were kind of their own demise. Um, The bigger conversation for me, because I don't want to say I don't care, but I didn't, I I don't have no kind of dealing with that bank at all. And my bank, Lord, they sent us an email real quick. We got nothing to do with it. Please rest assured, we ain't got nothing to do. We don't know them people. Like, my bank was on it. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> we are not affiliated with these people. So do not fret. We do not know them. We do, do not, not know fret. them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do not know them. So, um, no, the bigger conversation for me is the fact that, um, you know, 45, he rolled back um, some safety measures um, that could have potentially prevented this. Um, so not to get too heavy into money and finances because it's not my bag, um, but <clears throat> there, are cert- there, were, there were certain measures in space for banks to not, banks like this that, um, so banks typically make their money by uh, taking your money and then loaning it out. Um, and so you have money 
but it's nothing like cash. The cash actually goes to other people who want mortgages, cars, you know, different loans, right? This bank in particular would take your money and invest it. And so there were um, mediums in space to be like, hey, y'all need to make sure that y'all are only investing this much or, you know, da 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 da. Well, 45 cents. We need the people to get rich. So he took away the measures. So basically there was no oversight at that bank anymore. So when people, you know, as inflation is killing all of us, all of us, um, people just like, listen, I want a little bit more of my money. I want to put less in the bank. I want more in my pocket. I want more under the mattress or wherever people are putting money. And so the top, the people at the top of the bank was like, oh shit, y'all, y'all want y'all money? Okay. And they have to give it to you. But with that said, there was less money to be throwing around into investments. So the bank didn't have the money. Um, yep. And Trump rolled back those, um, safety measures. And I just find it funny because, <clears throat> People that follow him, they hate people who, oh my God, socialism, and you guys just want handouts and da 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 da. And everyone hates handouts until they need one. Mm-hmm. Is that a so, um, I do hate it if you had more money in the bank than the FDIC is going to be able to give you. I hate it for those people. Um, and apparently, there were only like. <clears throat> Two percent, two to five, something like that. It was like two, three percent of the people that were involved in this bank were black women. So, um, next, um, DeSantis or DeSatan, as people like to refer to him. Yeah, um, him and other conservative Republicans, they have said that the collapse of this bank is due to people being more concerned with being woke. Than banking. What? Okay. This is also the same thing that the mayor of Ohio, you know, when the train collapsed Mm -hmm. and all that, you know, toxic gas was in the air. The mayor went on record and said the same thing. People are too concerned with being woke than the safety of the American public. What are they going to do? What? What's wrong with these people? They are weaponizing the word woke against people who actually have some level of consciousness because that's what woke means. Woke means you being uh, woke is to be conscious or, you know, aware of social issues, your higher being, so on and so forth. That's what woke means. But the conservative GOP has decided to take woke and weaponize it and make it sound very ugly and very much what it isn't. Um, Yet none of them can define it. There's a woman that wrote a book. There's a whole chapter on being woke. And she couldn't define it in an interview the other day. Um, I heard it on the Breakfast Club. It was hilarious. Mm. So speaking of Satan and his evil acts, um, he put forward two bills this week. And I don't understand how the Florida, Florida legislator works. Um, like our governor doesn't put forward bills, but whatever he put forward or he, you know, <clears throat> put out there to the house, <clears throat> two bills. One, it will be a felony, a felony. If you get caught with an undocumented individual in your house or in your car or, or personal spaces like that, just imagine your family member coming to visit may or may not be undocumented, but regardless, them being detained because the appearance of undocumentation, or maybe they don't have it on them or whatever. So imagine being detained and or you being booked and got a nice little mugshot because you got your home riding with you or your family member. That's incredibly insensitive, number one. Um, he also put forward H. Bill 999. <clears throat> Or House Bill 999. And House Bill 999 um, seeks to remove woke spaces um, on college campuses. So that means they are taking rid of Jewish studies, Latin studies, African-American studies. You knew that one was coming. African-American studies, Latin studies, Jewish studies. They're removing the Asian studies. They're removing them from the curriculum. In addition, they are removing cultural um, groups affiliated with with these things, aka they're going to remove the D9, your Latin based um, sororities and fraternities, 
all of them gone. So basically just unseasoned history? Yes. Yes. Um, People of Houston should be concerned because the state of Texas has taken over the Houston public education system. I don't know what's going on in Houston. I don't know what happened. But I do know that if your local, your state government wants to take over the public education, that cannot be a good thing. Um, our girl, Ebony, Dr. Ebony is from Houston, and I've never been more glad that she homeschools before in my life. Um, <clears throat> speaking of showing your ass, South Carolina Republicans have also, they want to, they've put the bill forward. They want to subject women who get abortions to I can't even make this up. They want to subject women who get an abortions to the death penalty. So basically, you're punishing death with death. Technically. But claims to be pro-life. Right. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> the stuff that goes um, on in the country makes so much sense. Yes. In light of the people that y'all are voting into power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And once they get in power, they're making damn sure they won't be removed. Um, so, yeah, we got to wake up. Uh, we are in trouble. Um, but in other news, sort of lighter news, um, this week we have been shown that Black women are not allowed to show displeasure when they are unhappy for things like oh, not receiving awards that they deserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as y'all know, Angela Bessett did not get um, the Best Supporting Actress, which I'm not going to lie. And y'all may hate me for this one. We love Auntie. We love Auntie Angela. But Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever, that wasn't her best role. I thought she did better in the first one. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, and she was only in like half the movie. Exactly. She was only in like half the movie because she died. So I don't feel that that particular movie was Oscar worthy or that particular, her supporting actress role in that movie was Oscar worthy. I feel like Shuri could have got it. Um, I don't know how Oscars work. I don't watch them, but Shuri was a better candidate. Um, even, um, oh girl, Nikita. If, it was, if it was supporting actress and Shuri probably wouldn't be. Cause wouldn't she be one of the main characters? I don't know how it works. <laughs> I mean, there have been problems with the nominations to support an actress in the past where they were actually the main character and they got supporting actress or actor. So that's why I was just kind of thinking out loud, but I I wouldn't think of her as that. But all I know is her role was kind of minimal in this one. I don't know that it was Oscar worthy, but what I will say, I think that all of us, as far as like the culture, I think that we all are ready for Auntie to win an Oscar. I think if she wins an Oscar. She's very overdue for one. Way overdue. And I think if she wins an Oscar, she'll be closer to an EGOT. Mm-hmm. And we need our sisters to get them EGOTs. Um, but I don't know that this one was appropriate. But regardless, sis was not happy. And she didn't, like, put on the happy face and smile and clap for Jamie. Well, you, you, you couldn't have, you shouldn't have to do that. Nope, you shouldn't have to. And Jamie Lee Curtis, who won, um, okay, I didn't see not near movie that was nominated for Best picture, supporting. I ain't seen none of them except for Wakanda Forever. Um, <clears throat> and I heard that Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't even all that great in her role either. But apparently, with the Oscars, you kind of get it when you're when it's your time. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know what that means. So anyway, long story short, though. But the real crux of the issue is why can't she not be okay? Why? Mm-hmm. Why does she have to fake it? But two things can be true at one time. She could be happy for Jamie Lee Curtis. Do your thing, girl. And she could also be very disappointed that she didn't win. There, There is duality in all of this stuff, and people just forget that. It goes out the window. There's two sides to the coin. She can be both at the same time. At the same time. And finally, Sierra broke the internet with her Oscar dress. Oh. <sighs> This debate 
I wish you tired, raggedy people would make up your minds. Do you want a supportive husband or no? The, like, I hear women so much talking about, oh, I want a supportive husband, I want a supportive husband. Yet when this man was supportive of his woman, mostly naked, in a dress, all of a sudden he's a simp, and all of a sudden, you know, that's not what we want, right? When women want to be seen as anything as when women want to be seen as women and not just mothers or wives or whatever, like that's what we want. That's what we always complain about. But here goes Sierra stepping out. She was outside. She was in thing. I just, I, I can't clarify that enough. The theme was the, I think the theme was like pure, like, uh, barely there or something. Barely there. That's what it is. So the theme was barely there. It was by Oscar de la Renta. I think that was a designer. And so, you know, first of all, Sierra wears him often. Um, number two, so with Sierra having worn him often, I almost guarantee he probably sent her that dress to, wa- to wear. So she um, she probably got a check for wearing it that night. Let's mm-hmm. just go ahead and call it what it is, right? And on top of that, Sierra got a banging body. That is a mom bod, a mom bod that I would take, right? And here y'all go, man. She out here disrespecting herself. She didn't need to stay in a wife's place. I wouldn't as a wife and mother. Newsflash, you're not a wife nor a mother. Mm-hmm. Or you're not a mother. Shut up. Let people enjoy themselves. Damn it. I just don't. And you know, you know I listen to podcasts. So I was listening to Demetria. <laughs> Demetria Lucas. And she was saying basically like, People want Sierra to, Sierra's marriage to fail so bad. Yeah, and I think I agree. I think that's one of the main issues. Like it ain't even Sierra. I'm like all these other people out here. Did y'all ever see anybody else at the party wear something barely there? Yes. Oh, and so listen, that got brought up in a in a group that I was in. Right, like <clears throat> all these other women did it. Oh, but they not posed with their husband. And look at his stance. He not even happy. Do y'all understand what Russell does for this woman or what people on the runway are taught? You showcase the star. It's about the star. And if she is the one being paid, being asked to wear the dress, being photographed, whatever, of course, he gonna be there and look decent or look good, but it wasn't about him. You guys have also never taken like any type of partner dance because the man always makes the woman look good. He is the frame. She is the picture. I digress. But um, it was so like the arguments this week were so annoying and weak. And I was mostly sad to see women chiming in on this. I've come to I've come to a place where I'm kind of used to men hating on Russell um, and hating on Sierra. Only because my theory, this is my theory. It is what it is. You come for me. I don't care. This is my theory, right? I think that men get on women like Sierra, women like, um, um, what was her name? Steph Curry's wife. Um, anyway, Steph Curry's wife. I feel like men come for them so hard because men picture Steph and, um, uh, Russell, they picture them as the good guy or the guy that has it all. And so if their wives are act here acting like thoughts, then what chance do they have with us normal women, right? I'm so this sick of that favorite. word. Huh? So I'm so sick of that word being used by men. <laughs> but yes. go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah. But that's my theory. That's my theory as to why men be so all up in arms with these things. Um, <clears throat> yes. And then they'll get to comparing. Well, you don't see LeBron's wife doing none of that. Okay, LeBron's wife from the beginning has been an offstage background kind of woman. Like, that's not her thing. Sierra had a whole career. Sierra had the My Body Party and stuff like that before she became Russell Wilson's wife. And that's that's the main thing that's, like, not surprising. Like, why is it surprising, y'all? She been doing this. Why would she stop because she became a wife? Why does she have to lose that part of herself because she became a wife? <laughs> and half of y'all stuck in marriages where you can't express yourself, so what? Unhappy! I'm like, y'all want y'all want us to be married so bad, but then y'all make it look like it is so miserable. Stop! 
Yes, because anyone choosing to have a marriage on their own terms gets talked about relentlessly. Because let's go ahead and bring it up. Beyonce. Beyonce wore a barely there dress to, um, I think it was a Met Gala. I don't know the theme. I just know she was naked-ish, naked adjacent. Nobody said shit. Now, was it because Jay-Z wasn't photographed? Because Jay-Z was there. Like, Jay, it's very few places that Jay-Z goes without Beyonce, y'all. Like, I don't, I don't know that y'all notice that, but it's very right. few places that you see Beyonce and Jay, Jay-Z not in the back. I don't know what uh, Solange did, but she put the love up. She put the fear of God in. Um, but anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, so Jay-Z might not have been photographed with Beyonce, but he wasn't far away. I so, does that, so does that not show support? Because I don't know. No, 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 no. This was before. She did a before. Then on Instagram this week, uh, it is funny because one of the people that I follow, um, he calls her the mute majorette. And he was like, you know, people are so tired of her not divulging any details of her life. And I'm just like, let that one live. But whatever. Um, anyway, so this week on what? Instagram. I'm sorry, go ahead. go ahead. This week on Instagram, she again posted another barely there dress. And I feel that's her way of shouting out Sierra. Um, because she posted the barely there dress. And then she posted pictures of her and her man. But I need y'all to come to a consensus. Like, do we want support of our men? Uh, do we want to be women, women that are whole, or do we just want to continue to be fragmented persons without the su- supporting loving partners? Let me know. Let me know which side. Let me know where I'm supposed to be. I know. I know where I'm going to be personally, but yeah. Let me know whose team I should be on. Oh, this is a whole another conversation for another day. So. I'm not going to dive more into it because I could talk about it all day. That's what both can. Anyway. Kiki, tell us about this week in women's empowerment. All right. Let's get into our women's empowerment, women's history facts. That's my nod to a song for that. We only got another another week, so. All right. Um, in 1913 and 1920, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated and Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated were formed. Delta Sigma Theta was founded on the principles of sisterhood, scholarship, service, and social action. Zeta Phi Beta was founded on the ideals of scholarship, service, sisterhood, and finer womanhood. Shout out to all the Deltas and all the Zetas that I know. And all of them in general. In 1916, Margaret Sanger opened the first birth control clinic. Hmm. Um, yeah. Um, you know, the, the verdict's still out about whether we mess with Margaret Sanger or not, hmm. but she operated an illegal clinic from 1916 to 1920 when she opened the first American birth control league. I'll say this. Um, oh, I'm sorry. The first American birth control league, which later became the Planned Parenthood. And I'll say this, um, women since the dawn of time have struggled with childbirth. While childbirth is supposed to be very natural and whatever, the truth is child uh, procreation, damn near is a miracle if you understand the science behind it. And then carrying the baby, also very, like, when you think about it, I mean, because shit, I drop clothes when I pull them out the dryer. I can't even imagine carrying a baby for nine months, right? So I really feel like that's a miracle in itself, too. And then birth, the birth, listen, the whole birth process seems traumatic to both parties. Like, yes, it's painful for the mom, but even as a, a fetus, like, I feel like that's a traumatic thing. So I say this to say, <clears throat> if there are women that were out here seeking abortions for whatever reason, like they should be protected that's just me and this is why i'm pro-choice i don't know the reason why but if you want to seek that you should be able to get it legally and protected so why margaret sanger did what she did in the first place like i gotta commend her now whether whether it became nefarious or whatnot i'm gonna let y'all debate that i ain't gonna do it today Anyway, then in 1960, the FDA gave approval to the birth control pill. Shout out to 1950. Um, I know many are on the fence whether Sanger is a friend of Flo, but I do know her provision of birth control has led to many women throughout our lifetimes being saved from death, unplanned pregnancies, 
that we may or may not have consented to. And there we go. That's all I got to say about that. All right. In 1920, the passing of the 19th Amendment, women were given the right to vote. While this was true in some states, we all know that it took the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to actually give blacks full full rights to voting across the southern states. And to this day, we are still fighting. Yeah. Um, Women, I did the quotations for y'all because, yeah, it was white women. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I will say that, like, if you run some of like out west, um, because they've always been a little bit more progressive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, I never seen no records, but I'm pretty sure you know there were black or Asian or whatever women. Maybe not Asian because they had the concentration camp chick, uh, camps and stuff out there. But um, other women, non-white women, were voting out there. Um, but across this these great old southern states, it took the Voting Rights Act of and it's actually 1965. It took that. It took that act. Um, and as you know, cause Jim Crow was still in place, like while people were allowed to vote, um, Jim Crow laws were enforced across the Southern states. Um, and it took the Civil Rights Act to stop that and allow us to vote. Um, but as you know, still today, they are threatening our right to vote every turn they can. <clears throat> and then finally, last today, we want to shout out our girl, Amelia Earhart, who took the first flight woman, first woman in flight in 1928. Um, without you, sis, we would not be hashtag catching flights, not feelings. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So getting into our topic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's Women's History Month. So during Women's History Month, folks spend a lot of time talking about women that have made history and the contribution of women in the world we live in. There's actually a council. Um, The council is the National Women's History Alliance that determines the theme of every year. This year's theme is celebrating women who tell our stories. The theme recognizes women past and present who have been active in all forms of media and storytelling, including print, radio, TV, stage, screen, blogs, podcast, news, and social media. That's why Auntie um, should have got the award. Anyway, um, <clears throat> March 8th is known as International Women's Day. And that day is actually sponsored by the United Nations. The United Nations decided and went on record by saying in the 1975 assembly, went on record saying that they decided to host a day to recognize the fact that securing peace and social progress and the full enjoyment of human rights and fundamental freedoms require the active participation, equality, and development of women. And to acknowledge the contribution of women to the strengthening of international peace and security. Now, if the United Nations going to go on record saying such a strong statement, how are we here restricting a... Never mind. So today we're going to talk about how women can further secure peace and social progress. Kiki, you got a song for us? Come on in, sis. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I said, come on in, sis. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Y'all, she (laughs) goes, this theme song changes every week. I love it. Um, But it changes every week. And I'm just going to, I'm going to let her do that. Um, This this is her thing. Thank you. (laughs) So Kiki. What does it take for you to feel peace? You know, feel at peace. You know, I've been thinking about that, and my answer is kind of like two dimensional, right? So, like, of course, peace. When you want to feel peace, you want to make it sure that everything is going right, so that you can feel like you can rest for a while, or you can be content for a little bit. Um, but peace also comes after, like some complicated situations and I'm thinking about this because I'm thinking about death as well because I have to go to a funeral today but um like peace is just knowing like that your people are good so even if they're like suffering right now if you know they transition or anything is happening 
in your family, in your life, like just be being at peace that they're going to be okay is also a form of peace, I guess. Yeah. So that's yeah. two different, you know, two different ways to look at it. But that's what I think about when I think about peace. Yeah. What's funny is my little T, you know, they put the little quotes on the T. Mm-hmm. Let your need be to help those in need. <laughs> um, and I think of peace, like, I, <laughs> um, what you doing this weekend, Key? Y'all, I just want to be in my apartment know that you know there's a roof over my head bills are paid my event went good like that's peace right like maybe peace is balance you know peace is definitely balance for me um and i was thinking about that because the funny thing is i'm going to a funeral today but tomorrow i'm going to a gender reveal so like it's like the death and the life so there's Mm -hmm. a lot there so it kind of creates that, you know, bittersweet peace, but it's still yeah. really peaceful, you know, going through those transitions. I still don't understand gender reveal, so. <laughs> I just think it's an elevated baby shower, but, you know. Well, because then these people still have baby showers. Am I supposed to get you two gifts and then support this kid throughout its life? Well, I think I think it makes more sense because this is like her third child. So, like, she had twins before, and then this is her third child. So, the gender reveal will probably make more sense than a baby shower. Because, I mean, she doesn't have Okay, a, okay. I'll give you that one. Before. I think that's what makes sense to me. Now, if you have baby showers and gender reveals, all, every child, like, because then you can just have the gender reveal and just, like, if you want to give me a gift, give me a gift. You know, like, <laughs> but we just here to, you know, be in community, so. Never know what to give at the gender reveal either, like. Just give them a I only got two though. options. Like, <laughs> boy or girl. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. <laughs> Back. Focus. Um, so, if you ask a bunch of women this question, what does it take for you to feel at peace? Because we're not a monolith, you're going to get a whole bunch of different questions but I, or answers. But I guarantee it's going to all boil down to and everybody's going to talk about at some point mention um, money or their jobs or their career. And for at least 56.5% of women can relate to jobs and money, jobs and their career, that being a source of peace for them. So that's what we're going to talk about today, y'all. We're going to talk about jobs and career, how to advance, et cetera, where we've been, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So here we go. Did you know that the Department of Labor has a women's bureau? I did not either. Um, so I started researching this episode. Did know a whole damn like whole space. That would make sense because I mean we already dealing with the the wage gap, so I'm guessing they'd have a whole department, to, you know, dedicated to figuring out what's going on with the women in the labor. Sort of. They do a lot of statistics and determining there's a wage gap. I don't know what they're doing to bridge it. That's not. Well, I didn't say they were bridging it. I just said they're just. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's above my pay grade. <laughs> um, but the women in the bureau have been dedicated to advocating for women and specific issues dealing with women in the workplace since 1920, or if you take it back, World War One. Um, we we have Mary Abby Von Cleek. And Mary Anderson to thank for the Bureau and their advancements. Thank you, ladies. <clears throat> the Women's Bureau has been responsible for helping to regulate or enforce work conditions for women. Because if you go back to 1920, historically, women came into the more, you know, proper workforce as we determined. They came into the workforce at the call, I mean, during the war, because all the men was out fighting the wars. So there was still stuff stateside needed to be done. So they were like, get the women to do it. So the women was like, all right, let's go. So, but the conditions, you know, kind of suck for people in general. And so let me just go ahead and put it out there. Then when we make the conditions better for the women, you men profit too. Hmm. Anyway, um, so yes, they helped to regulate or enforce working conditions for women. They negotiated a shorter work day and work week. Y'all, in the 1920s, we had to negotiate a work week and they landed on 48 hours. I struggle 
with the 40 that I have to do every week now. But back then, they used to work more. And this is only because, you know, think about it. The women had to, especially since the men were at war, they had to work in the shops, in the, the shops mostly. They had to work in the factories and do all the work and stuff for countless hours a day. Then they had to come home and be moms. So mm-hmm. hell yeah, we needed a shorter work day. Um, the women's where bureau. Where is that now? Huh? <laughs> so where is that now? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> women in or the women's bureau was responsible for advocating for fair wages, which led to the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938, which established minimum wage and work hour limits for the first time. So in 1938, when they went ahead and made it a law, you can only work <clears throat> x amount of time. I'm I'm assuming it was. I don't know what it was in 1938, but you can only work X amount of time and we're going to pay y'all minimum wage. In 1922, the Bureau's groundbreaking research on the experiences of African-American women led to greater, greater social awareness and recommendations for change. Its investigations on how women felt about protective legislation helped to form public policy and to identify the social mindset of civic leaders. Um, <clears throat> everything in me wants me to let you know that I didn't write this shit. Um, I got this quote from encyclopedia.com because I don't fully believe that in 1922, this research was groundbreaking nor did it lead to greater social awareness. But I'm going to let encyclopedia.com live because um, yeah. It led to awareness but it didn't do anything to change anything. So maybe it was groundbreaking. Maybe they did need to be spoon-fed this information but they didn't do anything too much about it. But anyway. I was on the Women's History which, uh, look, I was... I was on the History Channel website, and you know, they have hyperlinks, and it led me to encyclopedia.com, and they said this shit. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, the Women's Bureau is currently being led by Wendy Chun Hu, who is an Asian American. She's from, she was born and raised in Hawaii. Um, and I found it interesting that she is also um, a member of the LGBTQ community. Um, and I found it interesting because let me go ahead and finish it her deputy directors the two women that are right under her are analia or analila mieha she's a latina and then the other one is caribbean born jamaican i'm sorry caribbean born joan harrigan fairly i think she's caribbean american i think her parent i think she was born here in the states but joan harrigan fairly um So we got all that diversity in the Women's Bureau. We got the LGBTQ community being represented, Asians, Latinas, Black women. Yeah. Um, and Joan Harrigan is actually responsible for a blog that I actually fell into a rabbit hole reading last night. Um, pretty cool, interesting stuff. Um, and that's, yep, mm-hmm, that's <laughs> what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right, so in 1920, with 8 plus million, which is about 20% of the women in the workforce, the top three career choices for women were, number one, domestic workers and such, number two, teachers, and number three, stenographers or and typewriters. In 2019... <laughs> With over 75 million women, which is about 47.4%, the top three careers for women were, number one, teachers, number two, nurses, and number three, nurses' aid. I find it interesting that in 90 years, not much has changed. At all. Mm-hmm. And we're we still, are still teachers. And we are still serving this community. Still ser- Thank you. Still serving. Still, still serving. Mm-hmm. Still serving. Mm-hmm. Right. So the Department of Labor is also responsible for collecting lots and lots of data, such as median annual incomes. In 1967, the median annual income of white men was 52603 In 2021, it was 61740 
for white women in 1967, their median annual income was $31,345. And now in 2021, it is $51,451. It does not look difference. Mm-hmm. Now, black men, in contrast, in 1967, their median annual and income was $33,975. And now in 2020, it's $50,187. In 2021, that's $11,000 less than their white counterparts and $1,300 less than white women. Black men. <clears throat> Black men. Mm-hmm. Now. Me. <laughs> Drink your tea, sis. Drink your tea. And now, black women. In 1967, the median income for black women was $22,717. And now, in 2021, it is $46,543. Now, that's $4,500 less than black men and almost $5,000 less than white women. Another tea sip. Thank you. So the labor force of all men in 1948 was 86.6%, while women made up 32.7% of the workforce. Today, in 2022, the labor force of all men is 68%, Black men making up 652 while the labor force of women is 56.8%. Black men, black women making up 59.7, which is higher than the average. Let me just go ahead and tell y'all like what that means, like behind the scenes, right? That means that women are working more or black women, um, white women too, were working more. And actually, um, this is what a sister girl um miss joan the one with the names um this is what she broke down in her uh, blog actually she was saying that black women we make up more in the workforce period period we make up more in the workforce and um it's often because we're working like multiple jobs so on and so forth and you know black people are just at a disadvantage period like you know, we live amongst everybody else say paying these same rents and all this other stuff yet we get the least out of all the four. Now I didn't break it down into Asian and all that other stuff, um, just because for time's sake <clears throat> I went with the contrasts. Um but yeah, it's like it's a damn shame. It's a damn shame. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. So So women in STEM, um science, technology, engineering and math from nineteen seventy to twenty twenty one overall went from seven to twenty three percent in 1990 so it went from seven percent in 1970 to 23 percent in 1990 and then in 1990 like one and beyond it went from 23 to 26 so that means that in 30 40 years women have only gone from seven to 26 percent in the stem industry um when i was looking at the chart overall um you will see dips in incomes or dips in the workforce in 1990. And I don't know what happened. We just going to blame it on good R&B because that was when the men was, oh yeah, and body rolling and singing to you. And I just think that everybody just stopped working for a minute. <laughs> so that was just body rolling, getting all yep. these women in working yep. force. <laughs> yep. Nobody was in the workforce. Um, um <clears throat> So when we break down women in STEM, uh, women in social sciences, that's where we reign supreme. Um, it has gone from 17% again in 1970 to 61% in 2021. In math occupations, women have gone from 15% to 46%. Go math teachers um, or the mathematicians. And then in life and physical sciences, so this is your um, chemist, your biology people you know that type of thing it's gone from 14 percent because i feel like there have always been women in in labs thank you uh the sister girl actually she's not a sister girl but thank you to the woman who helped come up with penicillin they for years said that it was a man there's a woman in there um so 14 to 45 percent 
Computer occupations went from 15 to 34% in 1990. Again, I don't know what happened. There was a dip, but now it's come on back up and it's gone on a steady incline to 24%. So y'all, that means that women in tech, 24% right now, 24%. And then finally, engineers, women engineers have only gone from 3% to 15%. So ladies or women or moms or dads or whoever's listening to this podcast, Teach your baby girls math and science and all that other stuff. Um, <clears throat> and then just a completely random note, because I was excited about the facts. Um, Janelle Jones. So Janelle Jones is the first black woman to serve as the chief labor economist for the Department of Labor. Basically, she's responsible for putting out these labor statistics. This is her. She the one to be like, okay, that's right. You can put it out. And she's the one that determines, you know how um, like every week or every month they say, oh, we're at a 4% um, unemployment rate. She's the one that comes up with that. She in charge of all of that. Um, she, she uh, Last year, she was appointed as a 36-year-old, and she is a Spelman graduate, and she leads the department's research and initiatives. Mm-hmm. And unemployment rates negatively impact wealth potential and financial capabilities of the black community. When an individual is not financially stable, it impacts families and communities. This is like why she says that she got into or wants to get into the work that she does. So Kiki, what does this mean? Ladies, this means that we are behind. If our jobs and our careers are that important for us, we're behind. And I get it. There's a revolution of rest that we are here and a part of. But what can we do about our wages? Hashtag self-care in real life. Self-care in real life. How we taking care of ourselves and our wages. Okay. So we're going to talk about how and when to negotiate your salary. And this is from Indeed.com because this is where we all go. To start posting and looking for new jobs. Immediately. Immediately. So, when to negotiate your salary. Number one, if it doesn't reflect your experience or your education. So, don't be sitting in a job and you know you're overqualified. Go on and, go on and, and get you some more wages. Or, you know, we, we big proponents of uh, finding another job. <laughs> <laughs> number two it may impact if it impacts your lifestyle if you if the company's offer can't support or improve your current living situation who thank you for real um <laughs> then it may be too low for you to accept before you negotiate the side of this new salary allows you to achieve your financial goals such as saving more and affording a new home or affording a new home yeah, like if your goals are like think about where you are in life, right? Mm-hmm. And so let me be clear, these are how and when to negotiate your salary, like if you are applying for a new job, right? Um <clears throat> and so think about the lifestyle that you wanna have. If right now you are currently in an apartment, home, whatever, and you are barely making your rent, your mortgage, you need your next job or when you start negotiating your salaries, you're looking at new jobs. You need to make sure that it's going to fit your new lifestyle. If you want to move, you need to find a job that will fit in that. If you want to have kids, get a new car. If you want, you know, that, I don't know, like those expensive cars that y'all be driving. Um, but S-Class, 5 Series, something. I don't know. All of those. <laughs> if that's what you want, you need to, you need to make sure the salary reflects that because the best. Know, we oftentimes be having these big, lavish, mimosa dreams, knowing that we need to be over here just with the orange juice. Mm-hmm. Right. The best way to do that is y'all look at y'all current budget. How much do you? How much are you dishing out, and how much do you need to actually save what you need? <gasps> I have stirred up. Key, open your ears. <laughs> open your ears. Look at your current budget. Think about what you're spending and your income currently. If it's not enough, then you need to negotiate your salary. Whether you're at your current job or you're going to a new one, 
negotiate it to fit what you need and not just at the bare minimum try to do like 20 to 30 percent more (laughs) because that's going to allow you to uh to save and be able to actually do other things inflation is at 24 percent y'all yeah so you might need to consider more Number three, (laughs) you already know that you're going to require a raise. If you know you're going to require it, ask for it. From the beginning. Simple. And number four, (laughs) if the company can afford it, do your research, y'all. Do your research. Some companies can afford to pay you more. Some can't. So just be careful. Um. (laughs) You know, if you're in a, if you're in your current company and you're like real good friends with some HR people, <laughs> sneak around, you know, just hint at some things, have some general conversations about salaries. You might find out some things. <laughs> um, there was a tweet that went viral this week, last week, maybe. Um, and I should have put it on farther culture, but I knew we were going to talk about it. This girl, um, and I assume she is a girl, this person, <clears throat> is in their current position, finds out that they were hiring somebody to work, I believe it was her department, so they would have work, been working right with her, um, but they were going to pay this new hire 90, 9-0, 9-0 more than what she was currently making. Mm-hmm. So some companies just out here paying cheap because they can, um, some companies just really don't have it. So You remember the... Do you remember the tweet where the girl was talking, it was like bragging that this lady was interviewing for a position at her company and I guess she was HR. So she like didn't ask for what she was supposed to ask for and they had so much money in the budget and she was like, I wanted to, I, this could have been a teaching moment or something. And people were like, well, why wasn't it a teaching moment? You know, like, why didn't you use that moment to tell her like, you need to ask for what you got because we got money. Right, right. But she didn't, and she just let the girl take the position for that, for the low salary. I really hope she got fired. I really want to follow up on that, but whatever. I can't remember what happened. We're going to have to we're gonna have to look that up later. <laughs> so Kiki just gave y'all tips on when to negotiate your salary. I'm going to show you or tell you what Indeed says on how. Remember, this is what Indeed says. Not necessarily do I agree or disagree with these. <clears throat> how? Wait until you get the job offer. Don't be in the interview talking about, but I'm going to need 20 more than y'all trying to pay. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Um, don't do that. Wait until you get the job offer because you know at that point they want you, so you have a little leverage. Right. Um, and then do your research. Determine your ideal salary based on the research of the market in your position. Mm-hmm. The things you should consider are location, level of education, additional certification, years of job experience, and career level. Those are all yours versus what the job is requiring, right? To take, for example, um, I'm just going to use round hypothetical numbers because that's how I roll. Um, So here in the triangle, if job A offers $100 an hour, you better believe if I'm looking at that same job in the DMV, it better be looking better be paying 150 to 200 dollars per hour that's mm-hmm. what i'm saying right. um so do your research <clears throat> and there are so many websites that you can go to that give you a very you know a flat salary a median salary i guess for your position and you can play around with the wording look at all these positions that's yeah. kind of the same thing and you can come up with your own average of what you may need this is where I highly encourage you to be looking for a job while you're still employed. So while you're still employed, I encourage you to employ your um, Indeed, um, maybe even Monster, if that's still a thing. Indeed, Monster, I think Monster is still a thing. Indeed, Monster, and um, what's the one that's taking over everybody? LinkedIn. This is when I encourage you to upgrade and get the paid services because in those paid services, they will give you stuff like what your market, what your position looks like on the market salary they'll they'll give you all those things mm-hmm. um so i encourage you to do that don't wait until you don't have a job and then maybe you have to use money you can't afford to spend but while you can afford to spend it i do encourage you to spend it and you don't have to keep the service like you don't have to do it monthly just do a just month do it. just do a month <laughs> nope. 
<clears throat> okay, so come up with your ideal amount, determine the amount you're going to ask for, and then determine the lowest salary you're willing to accept. So again, once again, we're thinking about, okay, I'm going to want to move from um, Fayetteville to Raleigh, and so I already know that I need like 20 more thousand because I need to adjust for my cost of living. Like those are things that you want to consider and come up with the lowest salary that you're willing to accept. This could be the original amount that they offer you or something slightly higher. So if the position is paying 50, you'd be like, yeah, but my lifestyle's going to, I need at least 56, right? Um, <clears throat> it's important to know this ahead of time so you feel prepared and confident when negotiating. Also consider counter offers such as more paid time off, future wages, tuition assistance, or reimbursement. We talk about this a lot. I know I talk about this a lot especially working in a nonprofit field. It's not always my salary. <laughs> it's not always my salary that I'm looking for in a job, but I am looking for my quality of life. Do I get time off? Can I take off? Can I take off? Because y'all, I had a job once before and they were just like, I need unlimited time off. But the gag was we were so busy, we didn't have time to take off. Hmm. So that's not really a thing. Um, so, you know, you're getting more time off, you're getting shorter days, um, you know, stuff like that. And then decide if this is a deal breaker. If they're only willing to offer you 50000 decide if that's your deal breaker. So before you talk to them about a salary increase, decide if their current offer really is a deal breaker for you. Like, okay, they only want to offer you 50, but you finna get four weeks paid vacation. Um, if you feel comfortable walking away from their offer, then you can be more persistent about earning a higher salary. And then create and talk, create your talking points and practice with a friend. So we want you to be prepared, right? So like, you know, go through it at least once. So then, you know, go to the interview and they'd be like, well, we can't do it. Okay. Have that conversation, have that group text, have that, have that conversation. Um, and then finally, some negotiation tips are be confident. That's first and foremost. Um, I had a discussion with a man before. He was just, we were discussing the wage gap. And he was like, well, maybe it's because women aren't, um, you know, women are more passive. And when they go into <laughs> interviews and stuff, you know, they don't demand more. But I'm going to tell you what, he sounds like a creed when I say this. He's not really the roots cretin that I made him sound like just now. But, you know, he had a point and it made me think about it like, all right, I need to be way more confident about who I am and all the work I've done. So be confident, be firm, but polite. Um, and at first I cringed when they when I saw polite because that's what they always tell women to do. But the thing is, <laughs> you're really still trying to get this job. <laughs> so you True. do want to be polite. You can't be like, uh-uh, mm-mm, give me that extra 20. Nah, sis, that ain't going to work. Um that doesn't work with men either. They tend to be firm. Remember, we have communication styles. They tend to be firm and direct. Yeah. Um, and then express gratitude. Thank you for your offer, but... Yeah, there we go. So bottom line, ladies, if you are like us and find peace in knowing that you are employable and have income, then there are statistics and data that we must know. The Women's Bureau, as part of the Department of Labor, helps to collect data, statistics, and research on women in the workplace and consistently pr produces data that is used for a temperature check on society. With 4 in 10 or 42% of women having faced gender discrimination in the workplace, as well as the other important first in accomplishments of other badass women, it's important to celebrate and honor Women's History Month and the strides women have made. So that's what we have for y'all this week. Um, if you know you need a higher salary, and you're applying for jobs, confident and firm and polite. Do your research, have your plan together, practice with a friend, all those good things. That's going to help you get to where you need to be. Even if you're negotiating a salary at your current job, just know your worth. That's it. <laughs> So just want to remind y'all that um, y'all need to share. We'll be giving y'all such great information here. So share it with your friends. Share it in your group chats. Share it on your social medias. Um, also rate and review the podcast because that's what helps us to get 
quote unquote seen in the podcast world. Um, Apple Podcasts, you can rate five stars, please, and write how much you enjoy listening to us. And also on Spotify, it's just five stars. That's it. If you're on Spotify, all you gotta do is hit the rating underneath. That's it. Hit five stars. And if your finger goes to four, just go ahead and hit five again. Thanks. <laughs> and I'll say the new thing is share it with the men in your life. Um, I've had quite a few of my men friends beat me up verbally in the last couple days because they were talking about my events that I didn't tell them about that they wanted to come to. And they've been talking about my podcast that I don't talk to them about that they want to hear about because they too want to know about self-care and they want to learn how to better take care of us ladies. I'm all for that. Go on share with your men's. We need more of those men. Thank you for being mm-hmm. so concerned and mm-hmm. having that listening ear. Cause that's going to so, help them all out. So share. So share. Anyway, I want you to take care of yourself this week, sis. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> thought you were going to say more. You too, and my condolences to you and um, the fam. Thank you. And always remember, everyone, to take according to yourselves mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and like we talked about this episode, professionally. And we will talk to y'all next week. Bye.